welcome to the weekly podcast from City Light Church in Lethbridge. For more teaching or to find out more about life at CLC, please visit our website at citylightchurch.ca. Welcome to every single person here today. This is a special weekend. Is, is because you're here in the house, and God is here in the house. You know, this is God's church, God's house, God's home, God's family, right? And we're so glad that you're here today. And if you're looking for a family to belong to and you don't have a family, we'd love you to be a part of our church family this morning and just join us, eh? All right, so we're heading into uh, the latter part of our series called Anchored by Hope. Anchored by Hope. And... Um, you know, we're, I want to preach this, day, this, this, this Sunday. I want, to, I want to start to put some more practical application into it, okay? So I'm going to challenge you, and I hope the Word of God challenges you this morning. So let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing on His Word this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you that you give us all that we need for life and godliness. And one of the things that we need to have in this life if we're going to go through this world with all the struggles, is we need to have faith and we need to have hope in you. And so, Father, as we listen to the Word of God, let it begin to bring back faith, to stir up our hope. Lord, show us how we can, we can believe on you and depend on you for the impossible, that nothing is impossible for God. So I pray that you'd anoint me, anoint the words I preach, and anoint every ear to hear in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. amen. <coughs> the title of my message this morning is, Get Your Hope Back. Get Your Hope Back. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, which says, When hope's dreams, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be, what? Depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's Sweetness will satisfy your soul. And another version says, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. One of the greatest realities that we have to realize in life is this, is that life is hard, but God is good. That's what we have to realize as believers. But as Christians... So here's the question. If, if God is good, if God is gooder, right, then life is harder, then why do we sometimes lose hope? I'm going to ask you a personal question. Have you ever kind of lost hope in some situation in your life? It, it can happen, right? So if God is gooder, then life is harder, then why do we tend to lose hope? If hope is an anchor, then why do we sometimes pull up our anchor, right? So, as Christians, as Christians, you know, we're a people of hope, but sometimes, we have to admit it, sometimes we can lose hope. People who lose hope are kind of like those people and the studies have been done over the years with people who struggle with thoughts of suicide and in their life. And 
People who have those types of thoughts, they lose hope because they see themselves in seemingly impossible situations. It's like being in a dark room. And you don't, all you see is darkness. You don't know how big that room is, how small that room is, because it's dark. And you see no exits out. You know, I don't know where you are, but maybe you, maybe right now you're in a dark place. Maybe you're in a seemingly impossible situation in some area of your life. It seems impossible, right? There are all kinds of possibilities. It could be the loss, it could be a loss of a loved one. Maybe even a premature, premature death of a family member, right? Or it could be a loss of a long-standing relationship. It could be the trauma that you're uh, of a divorce or a, a separation, right? It could be shame that you're just caught in this dark room of shame because of some major mistake that you made in your life. Or it could just be the fact that you're just stuck in the same negative situation and nothing's changed for years. It could be a loss of a business, a loss of a job, no money, maybe even no home. But losing hope it's like being in this dark room and there's no way out and you're just crying out to God. God, where are you? See, this next point is so important for us to realize. How do we reach hopelessness? Here's how we reach it. On your PowerPoint, we reach a state of hopelessness when we allow something or someone to disconnect us from the goodness of God. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Paul, I believe Paul is a writer, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Hebrews, and he says this. We have this certain hope, <clears throat> like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat. Where's the mercy seat? It's in heaven to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred thresh threshold, where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. See, Paul is saying here that literally, the, that hope is the anchor that lashes us to the very throne room of God. That's why hope is so important. But, let's, but here's the reality. Sometimes we can get disconnected and we can lose our hope. Isn't that true? So the question is, how do we get our hope back? Is it possible to get our hope back when we lost all hope? How do we do it? I believe I want to give you three ways, powerful ways that you can get your hope back in great volume. Number one, if you're ever going to get your hope back, this is what you've got to do. You've got to get back into God's Word. You've got to get back into God's Word. You know, when we, Karen and I were on our honeymoon, which was 37 years ago and a few days, we celebrated our 37th anniversary on the 21st. 
So it was like 37 years and a few days ago, and, you know, we got married when we were about 10 years old, and it was illegal, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> you know, our honeymoon, we decided on our honeymoon, we're just going to drive. We're going to drive down from Lethbridge and go down to Great Falls and do a bit of shopping here. Then we drive, you know, across the country, go west, down into Seattle and spend a few days there and, you know, in that great city. Then we go up north and go, go along the coastline. We go into Vancouver and, and visit that place, beautiful city, spend a few days there and join the sites. We go to Calgary, hook up some friends, and we come back to Lethbridge. We had it all planned up. Everything was going so well until we sort of got to Vancouver, and I was the driver, and Karen is the navigator, and in those days, they didn't have GPS. Thank God for GPS today. It, you know, so many less fights and arguments and frustrations, right? Well, we got in this big fight because she's got this city map and say, okay, we want to go here, so you got to turn up this next cheek. When you see that, stri- that sign, turn right, turn right on Robson. I said, okay, and we'd, we'd be driving along, and, and, and I just look up, and boom, Robson Street's already there. I miss it. And, we, and she said, okay, that's okay, we'll just go. You know, she kept giving the instructions, and we kept missing the streets. And finally, she got so upset. Remember those stats, sweetie? At the, those days? Remember those days? And she said, what's wrong with you? You don't see the signs, do you? You need glasses. And my pride said, no, no, I don't need glasses. I need glasses. I'm not going to wear glasses. You're not going to make me wear glasses. I'm not going to look like this funny guy with glasses on. You know? I said, No. But you know what? Here's, here's the reality. In life, we need clarity. Clarity. In life, we need God's word. Right? We need God's word. You know when I got those first pair of glasses? Man, a whole new world opened up beside me. I saw the mountains and the foothills, you know, driving along scenic trucks. I never saw them before. Right? There's one thing that you will see. When you get into God's Word, you realize what the Bible does, is you'll begin to see some things you never saw before. And one thing that you will see in the Word of God, in the Bible, is that you're not alone. You're not alone. In two aspects. You're not alone if you're a believer in Christ, because God is with you. He's with you through every storm, every situation, no matter where you go. You can't get rid of Him. You've received him into your heart. You can't. It's easy to get saved. It's hard, hard to get unsaved. Because as a believer in Christ, you invite him not only to be with you, but to be in you. He's Christ in you. The Holy Spirit comes in you. You are born again. A revolution begins in your heart and your spirit. And you can't get rid of him. Because he loves you so much. Right? You see that you're not alone. Here's another way you don't see. Here's another aspect, a perspective, you're not alone. You realize that every single person in the Bible had troubles, had struggles, had trials, and had challenges just like you. Amen? It's good to know that other people had struggles as well as I do. One of the greatest men in the Bible, I love this guy. I'm going I'm to spend lots of time in fellowship when I go to heaven. I'm going to spend a lot of time with David. <laughs> man after God's own heart. But even David had his major struggles and battles in life, didn't he? Right? David was 
anointed king when there was already a king. That is dangerous. And King Saul went after David with a vengeance. He said, David's been anointed king. He heard that. He sent his entire army. He sent the entire country to put a hit on David. Take his life. Get rid of him. He will not be king when I am king. No matter who set him in as king, right? And so David was running. He was hiding. So many times he was so close to death. At one time, this tells the story, his man, David's men, his band of men were, were on one side of the gorge and they, Saul's army were marching the other side of the... They were so close, they could almost touch each other. David was terrified his life was going to come to an end. He was losing hope. And if you read his words in Psalm 18, verse 4, these, here's David's words. This is how he felt. He said, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. He says, I'm good as dead, God. But in verse 6, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out. I cried to God for help. My God, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. David says, I called, I cried, and he heard. God answers prayer. God hears prayer. And he's crying out to God. And God heard him. When David was crying out to God, he's saying, God, life is so hard. So hard, God. But you read the rest of that psalm. And you get to verse 30. And then David said these words. But as for God, his way is perfect. And he says, the Lord's word, what is it? It's flawless. I can trust God's word. I can trust his intentions towards me. He shields all who take refuge in him. For it is God. Who is, for, who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock? I'm not talking, it's great, you know, the rock. You know, he's big, strong. He's stronger than the rock, right? The wrestler, I mean, the, the movie star. You know, I mean, I mean God is the rock of our Gibraltar. He's the rock of Gibraltar. He's the source of our strength, right? He says, he's my rock. It is, it is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. What is, what is David saying? David is saying, life is so, God, life is so hard, but God is good. Amen? That's what he's saying. We need to get a word from God. We need a word that we can hold on to, that we can declare over our life. Like in Philippians 4.13, I, I can do all this through who? Through him who gives me strength. Or like Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Or like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we can personalize the scripture saying, and, and, and say, I can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that I may receive mercy and I can find grace, I can find favor, His favor, to help me in my time of need. Amen? See, we need to get the Word. We need to get the Word inside of us. And we need to allow the Word to take root in our life. How do we do that? Here's how we do it on your PowerPoint. How do you allow the the Word to take root? To repetition. You get rooted in God's word. It gets rooted in your heart and in your life through repetition. It's by, read, by reading it, by listening to it like you're doing today, like meditating on his word, like memorizing it, 
like declaring it. The Word of God is powerful. And when you start doing this, you'll find that the Word of God will help give you strength. The Word of God will give you wisdom to face every situation, every challenge, every storm that will come into your life. Amen? It will give you, it will increase your hope. It will increase your faith to believe in the impossible. The Word of God will help you from veering off course. It will help you stay on course. It will help you to not get shipwrecked. Amen? See, the next point is this. We need to be as committed to the Word of God as we, as we are committed to our relationship with Jesus. As committed. There's a story about, I read about this pastor down in the States. He was a Baptist pastor. He was a young guy in Bible college, learning to become a pastor. Uh, and uh, he's, he, he was uh, going to pastor a church in Texas. And, and he went on a summer missionary trip to uh, an eastern country called Malaysia. And if you, if you study Malaysia, you realize that Malaysia is a Muslim country. In fact, 99% of Malaysia is Muslim today. Do you know that? And in eastern Malaysia, it's about 90%. Some Christians in there. God is doing a work in eastern Malaysia. And it was at one of these meetings with, her, with this pastor, Jim Dennison, was uh, watch this young lady, this young teenage girl, give her life to Christ, and then say, and, and, and declare she wanted to be water baptized. And then he noticed that there was this well-worn luggage that was leaning up against the wall, and he asked the pastor of that small church, what's with the luggage? Whose is that? And he pointed to the young girl, and he said, her father told her, if she gets baptized as a Christian, she can never come home. And so she brought her luggage with her. See, that young lady understood what came first in life. See, your relationship with God and with, with your relationship with Jesus also includes a relationship with the Word of God. It includes obeying, listening to, hearing, and obeying God's Word. That's what comes first. Before anything else, that's what's the most important, is to love Jesus and to love his word. You see, we don't realize that Jesus and his word, they're inseparable. You can't love Jesus if you don't love his word. John chapter 1, 14 says, the word became flesh, and he walked around us, right? He walked this earth. Jesus was the living word. He was the Word in the flesh. If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to have a relationship with the Word because they're synonymous. Amen? See, the Word is, the, the word is a person. Hope is also a person. And hope comes how? By reading the Word of God. It's so important. We get hope by getting back into God's Word. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. And the Bible says that Jesus is and the dark and the darkness cannot what? Overcome the light. The light always overcomes the darkness, right? So if you're in an impossible situation, if you're in a dark room, what's the first thing that you need? 
You need light. You need light. The entrance of His Word brings light. Psalm 119, 130. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? A light for my path. If you're in a dark place, if you're in an impossible situation, you need light. You need the way out. He'll show you the way out through His Word. Amen? So that's the first thing. You want to get hope back? You get back into God's Word. Number two, you get hope back by living in community. Living in community. Can I say this again? I'm always, always preaching this. You need to be in community. You need to be in relationship constantly, right? It's dangerous to I- isolate yourself from community. From God's house, God's home, God's shelter, right? E- and here's the reason why. Because Jesus told us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that we have an enemy. And what's his intention? A thief has only one thing in mind. Just one thing. What does he want to do? He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, and he wants to destroy. Take everything he can possibly take from you. And if he, if he was allowed, he would even try to take your life. Right? If he was allowed. And the way the enemy begins to steal and rob and destroy in our life is he starts, and the way that he does that is by removing us from community. Right? We are called to community. We are called, we are created, we are designed to be together. Right? You know, today I've never seen so many believers that are drifting. Drifting. And not only drifting, but getting shipwrecked. And it all started when they left community. That's where it started. We don't, you know, we don't realize that we have an enemy. We have an enemy that tries so hard to keep us away from church. And when we start, when we start to get isolated, and then the enemy can move in, right? You know, maybe right now you're thinking, you know, right now it's, I'm in a good place. You know, right now for me, it's smooth sailing. Life is good for me right now. But you know what? Jesus warned us that there's, there's uh, trouble that happens in the world and there's a, there's a kind of trouble that will come upon every person upon this planet. And we're going to need help and you're going to need encouragement and it's a type of help and encouragement that you just cannot get anywhere else except through his church. Through people who are connected to the throne room of God, who have lashed themselves by hope to the very throne room of God. People that can get around you, intercess, and intercess for you and pray for you and literally storm the gates of hell on your behalf. You need the church in your life. Amen? Someone needs you. Right now, I want to say, someone needs you to be here. Someone needs you to be here. This is a place, this is a safe place. This is the place where you grow in your faith, right? To get hope back, you need to be anchored in community. And one of the major ways that you get anchored in community, by getting into a small group. Maybe it's into a care group, men's group if you're a man, 
uh, a ministry group, group, maybe even a sharing group. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a serving group. You know? You're serving on the ushers team or you're serv- serving in kids' church, you're serving hospitality team. Whatever it is, you're getting connected to people, right? And, you, and you're, 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 you're serving in the house, you're giving in the house, and you're building a relationship because of what you do in your purpose. Amen? So vital, so important. So that's the second way you can get your hope back. One more. Number three, you find your way back to hope by trusting in God's nature and God's character. Here's the picture of a young man. This is Jeremy Cat. <clears throat> He's a Christian artist. He's written lots of great songs. Jeremy Camp has a great story. Jeremy Camp's wife got cancer five and died five months after they got married. And Jeremy Camp was interviewed by Fox 411. And Jeremy shared a lot of his experience. And here's just some of his words. He said, when we first started dating, she was uh, hanging out. When when we first started hanging out, she was fine. But we broke it off. He says, but I got a call, a phone call six months later, and a friend told me she had cancer. She was 20. I went and visited her. I walked into her room, and she said, Jeremy, if I die from this cancer, and if one person gets to know Jesus as their Savior because of it, it'll all be worth it. And he said, that's a true statement. And I went home and wept. And I said, God, if you want me to marry her, I will. And he married her. He said, we got engaged. We didn't know what would happen. She went through chemo. As we got married, things were looking better. But after the honeymoon, they ran some tests, and we were told the cancer had returned and spread. I dropped to my knees and cried. We had been married four and a half months when she died. She was 21. Wow. And the interviewer asked him, weren't you angry at God? And he said, absolutely. Once I was reading my Bible, I literally threw it across the room. I shouted to God. I believed because we did. We prayed because I know God can heal. I've seen sick people being healed. It's like your face is shoved up against a picture. And when your face is that close, you can't see the picture clearly. You're like, this is a mess. But I remember God saying, I'll be with you every step of the way. I had my battles. I had my hard times of just being upset. And God would show me, hey, I'm right here. I'll walk you through this. And it doesn't make sense now, but just trust me. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith, hope comes in. Trust. And they say that after this happened to Jeremy, the depth of this song resonated with such incredible hope. People listen, listen to their songs and their hearts would be so touched because there was something happened to his heart you know, through this experience. And the lyrics of the song, can I just lead you the lyrics? The song that he wrote, one of the, one of the songs is called I, I Still Believe. I Still Believe. He says, and the words go this way, though this questions still fog up my mind with promises I still seem to hear even when answers slowly unwind it's my heart I see you prepare but now 
that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain. I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. Even when I don't see, I still believe. The only place I can go to is into your arms where I throw to you my feeble prayers. In brokenness, I can see that this was your will for me. Help me to know that you are near. Wow. You know, sometimes some things happen to us that we don't understand, right? And maybe we'll never understand until we get to stand before God in heaven. And then we will see very, very clearly. Amen? But in the meantime, right here on earth, God wants to comfort you. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to tell you that, he, that you have a hope and you have a good future despite what has happened. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here today and you prayed and you believed for this area of life. You know, you prayed, you believed, and you cried out to God. And maybe that situation has not changed. You know, and maybe you didn't get the answer that you had hoped for. But listen, you can still put down your anchor and your anchor of hope into the goodness of God. You know why? Because God never changes. His nature, his character of who he is never, ever changes. Amen? In James chapter 1, verse 17, say, So, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light coming down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creation. We're his crown. He's our father. We're his kids. And he wears us like his crown. He is so proud of us. We are so precious to him. Amen? He's the father of light. He's the father of our light in times of darkness. And he walks through us through every single storm. He never leaves us. He never for forsakes us, right? He's always there. And he will bring us out of every storm and every situation because he loves us. Amen? And because God is what? He is so good. God is so good. But I want to give you this point too as well. God is so good. God is really good, but we've got to do our part. Right? God is good, but we have to do your part. That's your next point. You've got to get off the floor like Jeremy did. You've got to get off the floor. You've got to worship him. You've got to pray. You've got to cry out to him. Say, God, where are you? Amen? And you've got to, put, you've got to get back into the word of God. And you've got to let, get a, allow God to give you a new perspective. And you've got to allow that word to stir up your hope and your faith again. And you've got to let that word of God just renew your mind and anchor your hope. Amen? No matter how hard life 
gets. Amen? There's a great story about a guy who went through real hard times. There are 42 chapters written about this guy. And you know what his name is? Job. Job. Job was a righteous man. Job was a man who feared God. Job was a man who was blessed by God. And he was a very, very wealthy man. Thousands of camel and sheep and livestock. and He had a whole family. He was so blessed. But you know, Job didn't realize he also had an enemy. And the enemy didn't like him. And this enemy tried to attack him, but he couldn't do anything because God was protecting him and God was blessing him. So the enemy, Satan, appears before God in heaven and says, Hey, you know, and, you know, and God asks him, So what are you doing? He says, Well, I'm trying to bother people. I'm trying to take their lives. But, but you know, but, he, but then, then God said, you tried, have, you tried, have you tried harassing Job? And Satan said, Yeah, I tried, but there's nothing I can do because there's hedges of protection on him and everything he owns. They said, but he, God, but then he challenges God. He says, but if you take down the hedges, take away what he has and what he loves, and he'll, he'll deny you, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, no, he won't. He loves me. He's a God-fearing man. He puts his hope and his faith in me. And Satan challenges him. I know he'll do that. He says, God said, okay. You can do anything to him, but you can't take his life. Remember that story? And then so, jo- so Job ex- experiences all kinds of affliction, all kinds of dis- disappointments, loss after loss after disappointment. The enemy attacks his flocks and his herds and his camels and his servants, and he just, you know, and steals them from his, and kills all his servants. One time all his children, five daughters, two sons, and all the other friends are having a big party, and this big storm comes along. And the roof of that house collapses and all his kids are wiped out. And then, even, and then on top of that, the enemy afflicts his body. His whole body is afflicted with boils and running sores. Says you should take broken pieces of pottery, scrape away the boils to, to alleviate the pain. You know? And literally, he's a guy that, you know, his friends don't even recognize him. And he's got a few friends that tell him, you know, give him the reason why he's going through all this affliction and trouble and struggles and disappointments and devastations in his life. And they're saying, it's because you're a sinner, Job. Because you sin, that's why God's getting you back. Ever tell people that? Tell, have people tell you that? Oh, you're not good enough. You're not good enough, so God is not blessing you, right? You know, that's called religion, right? And even his wife, you know, he's got 42 chapters of discourse, you know, we, his friends are telling him what's wrong, you know, Tell him, you know, and Job's saying, no, no, I've, I've done my best and I trust God. You know, and his wife finally says, how long are you going to hold on to your integrity, Job? Why don't you just, you know, curse God and die? And what does Job say? Shall we accept good things from God and not troubles? To all that Job experienced, he never gave up his hope in God, Right? In Job chapter 42, you go right to the end. In verse 10, says, The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known 
him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted him and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. How much, what would that equate in dollars today? Right? 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen. You know that in the Middle East in those times, if you had one pair of oxen, you were considered to be well off. Job had 1,000, 1,000 pair, 2,000 oxen, 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. God gave him back his family. Says nowhere in the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. Wow. Job was a righteous man. But Job had an enemy. Guess what? We have the same ancient enemies. So much of the trouble that we experience as believers is not human trouble. It's spiritual trouble. And we don't realize that, that we have an enemy. There's an interesting scripture in Psalm 34. And I thought about that. I thought, that can't be right. But it's right. It says, the righteous person may have what? Many troubles. But what? But the Lord delivers him from them all. Why wouldn't it say the wicked man has any troubles? Right? Why don't it say wicked? Because wicked people should get their, you know, their comeuppance, right? But it says the righteous will have many troubles. Why do we have many troubles? Because we have an enemy that causes trouble for us. He's the underlying reason that this country needs revival. Amen? We have an enemy that comes to rob, kill, and destroy countries, nations, people, your life, my life. But we need to know that we have a God so much stronger. He who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. God gives us all that we need to fight the devil and to overcome. Amen? We have an enemy. That's exactly the reason why Jesus came. If you read the scriptures, it says in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the devil has sinned from the beginning. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might, what? Destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the evil one. That's why he came. I said this before. Listen, the first man, Adam, sinned, right? The first man, Adam, made life hard. But the second man, Jesus, came to make life good. Amen? That's why he came. That's the reason why Jesus came. Back to David. I'm just going to close here. Remember, we talked about David. David had all these struggles. And if you study the life of David, man, I mean, his, his life was a life of incredible acmes, incredible mountains, but also of incredible valleys. The goodness of God the passive favor runs not only on the mountaintops, but also in the valleys, right? And you see David. David's life wasn't perfect. 
David was, his family was very dysfunctional. His family was a mess. But listen to what David says in Psalm 27, verse 13. He says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right? Not pie in the sky when I die, but I want, I'm going to see the goodness of God right here in this land while I'm living, while I'm breathing in this body. Amen? And then he says this word. He says, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And he says again, wait for the Lord. Listen, God has the power to turn your situation around. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. Just don't give up. Let's anchor our hope in the very goodness and the nature of who God is. And I said these words and I started, we started up. We reach a state of hopelessness when we allow someone, something or someone to disconnect us from the goodness of God. Amen? So what do you know what we need to do? We need to reconnect. We were never meant to walk this life alone. How do we reconnect? Let's review it. Number one, we get back into God's word. Get back into God's word. Study it, read it, meditate it, have a relationship with his word. A relationship with Jesus is a relationship with the word. Number two, by being in community. Get back into community. Give yourself, serve, become a part, right? Get to know people. 